Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pittsburgh Steel fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steel's Warren. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt Peverell, and I look to take you inside the minds of Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin, and Omar Khan, or at least what they could be floating around their minds as we tackle this offseason, the Pittsburgh Steelers offseason, as we go into 2021. Um, it started out earlier, you know, in the offseason as being cap room. We focused all around the Steelers salary cap and, you know, free agency and what have you. And now, as we get close to the draft, it's nine days away for me here in Australia where I record live every Wednesday. I come to you guys on a Wednesday as well. We're able to do that through the time continuum that is the other side of the world. As I said, it's nine days to the draft. We're going to get focused on the draft in this show. This is our second last show before the draft. Um, we will be coming to you the day before. Um, so really looking forward to next week as well. Anticipations building for us all. If you're like me, um, and as my BTSE colleagues like to poke fun at me and it's all in good jest, you know, I love a good mock draft. If only they saw the amount of mock drafts I actually do, not just what I share with them into the famous BTSE Slack channel. Um, but look, this week's episode, we're going to really focus around those draft picks. You know, the, the rosters not had really many changes, if any, at all the last week. There's been more rumors. Um, I think just one quick piece to note is that apparently Villanueva, um, by the time you listen to this, will have had a visit with the Ravens. Um, hard to think that, you know, Alejandro Villanueva would accept an offer there. Um, but obviously, players have got to go where the money is. They've got mouths to feed themselves. So, oh, God, I, I just can't 
I just can't imagine Villain Waver in a Ravens jersey, but if that's what he chooses to do, that's what he chooses to do. And just as Bab likes to say, he'll be there cheering on Bud Dupree when he plays for the Tennessee Titans at Heinz Field. The, you know, you might not be wanting to cheer the Ravens and you might not want to cheer Alejandro Villanueva, um, you know, in that Ravens jersey, but you can be happy for him at the same time. To kick off this week, as I said, I really want to focus on um, four prospects in, in this week's, you know, for this week. So we're going to look at the tackle guard position. Um, I really want to look at the cornerback position, um, the safety position, um, and we're actually going to look at a tight end as well. Before I do that, though, as many regular listeners to the show know, I love a bit of, you know, delving into over the cap. I think over the cap offers a lot in terms of, you know, obviously they're, they're gurus when it comes to cap space for different teams, but they look to do different pieces. I mean, I've really enjoyed going through their salary guide, which has informed different shows that we've run this off season as part of Steel's cap room or war room. Um, but one of the pieces that they did in the, that's available now, I think it was published, um, you know, a few days, a couple of weeks ago now, but I sort of, I was reading at the time and I thought, I wonder, I want to get a chance to cover this, but essentially the piece I'm going to talk about is the impact of good and bad drafting in the NFL. Um, Jason Fitzgerald, one of the the leaders of um, over the cap basically wanted to measure. He looked at 2015 to 2020 um, and rookie performance and how teams have performed, but he wanted to sort of look at a bit, go a bit beyond 2015 to 2020. And I've, and I've covered bits of what that, that, that post did um, as I said, throughout previous shows. So what he basically did to measure the direct impact of rookies, he grouped them into three-year bins for each team. So he looked at 2011 to 2013 as bin one, bin two he looked at as 2012 to 2014, and so on. Um, And then he would apply each bin's value to a record in a given year. That is at least one year beyond the most recent draft class in the bin. Basically what that means is we would take bin one, so bin one was 2011, 2013, and see that that group of players directly impacted the team's record in 2014. To give you an illustration of what that means further, the players drafted in 2011 would be in their fourth year with the team um, by that stage. Those from 2012 would be in their third year, 2013 in their second year. And then you'd throw out the 2014 draft class ahead of the 2014 season on the assumption that that direct impact is marginal. Now, we know in reality that may not be true, given what we looked at with the Pittsburgh Steelers last year, where guys like Kevin Dotson, Alex Highsmith, obviously Chase Claypool made an impact. But when you look at it across the board, um, you know, basically Fitzgerald wanted to just basically say, let's let's test it, test what it looks like without looking at the, the picks direct effect on that 2014 season, for example. Then what he did was to normalize the data, he inflated each of the values of those rookies to the 1.98. So the $198.2 million cap, that was the salary cap last year. And he sort of mentions that while it wasn't the perfect way to really value contracts, since the market for most positions is by no means pegged to a salary cap, it's the quickest and it gives fair values. So he plot all that out. And then much like the recent performance of the impact of good draft picks that he'd done recently, he's basically found it's clearly important much more so than the impact of free agents, which usually does not lead to anything positive long-term and in many cases does not offer anything short-term either. Probably going, okay, so what? Um, But he sort of mentions that success is measured in the NFL based on playoff appearances. And the typical threshold for that is 10 or more wins, which we know the Steelers have done plenty of 500 records and, and not made the playoffs. Um, so what he basically did was he broke down the groups in, uh, of, of all the teams in, in that era um, 
by above average drafting, so the approximate $96.5 million in value for the three years of players and below average drafting, and then looked at the wins for each group in terms of above average and below average. And here were the results over the five-year period. So those that drafted over average or above average, there were 20 teams with 12 wins, 20 teams with 10 to 12 wins, 16 teams with 8 to 10 wins, 19 teams with 5 to 8 wins, and only 5 teams with under 5 wins. On the flip side of the under average teams, in terms of what they were drafting, the draft value was twelve for, for 12 plus wins was 3, 10 to 12 wins was 11, 8 to 10 wins was 16, 5 to 8 wins was 32, and under 5 wins was 18. There's some pretty damning numbers, as he points out, for teams that draft poorly and try to overcome it through an alternate means like trades and free agent signings, um, which is quite interesting when you also think this year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and all the free agent signings they had that got them to that, um, got them to that Super Bowl. Um, but basically what he says is 50% of the top drafting clubs wound up with at least 10 wins, while over 60% of the poor teams wound up with a losing record. And this is where it gets interesting. As for the good teams who didn't perform well in the draft... The high-end teams, and these are those three teams I said that were drafted under average according to the, you know, to those players and their values. These are teams that got 12 plus wins were Ben Roethlisberger 2017, Carson Palmer 2015, and the MVP sort of season for Carson Wentz in 2017. The 11 teams, so those are the ones that had 10 to 12 wins, um, but drafted under average which were close to this high-end, featured Andrew Luck, 2014 and 2018, Carson Palmer, 2014, Ben Roethlisberger, 2016, Aaron Rodgers, 2016, Russell Wilson, 2016, Cam Newton, 2017, Drew Brees, 2017, and Tom Brady in 2018. The other two were Ryan Tannehill and Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2016 and 2015. So while both had good years, nobody would consider those two high-end QBs and the others were likely covering up flaws from bad drafts. Basically, it is high-end QBs making up the level of play. Brady, they sort of note that Brady would show up more more times if Garoppolo and Brissett were taken out of the mix of those draft value um, because they didn't really contribute to the team winning, but they also were clear in the draft success. Really interesting here because you can sort of see the impact that Ben Roethlisberger has had on the Steelers and sort of balance those those drafts and whether you think that we draft over average or above or under average you know that that's up for you to decide but you can you can at least on this sort of measurement see the impact ben roethlisberger had equally you sort of see the impact um carson palmer's had on the various teams that he's played for as well but more you know after he finished up um you know at, at the bengals there among the teams with good draft performance over the last 12 years, uh, uh, sorry, good draft performance and over 12 wins, you do get sneak-ins by players like Andy Dalton 2015, Brock Osweiler and the broken down Peyton Manning in 2015, Alex Smith in 2016 and 18, Derek Carr 2016, Case Keenum 2017, Mitch Trubisky 2018, and Jared Goff 2018. If you include the Cowboys QBs in the mix a few times too, if you want to have that debate, um, you can do so. When you move the needle down further, you can include Joe Flacco, 2014, and part of 2018, Nick Foles, and Mark Sanchez, 2014, Matt Stafford, 2014, Smith, Alex Smith, 2015, 2017, Teddy Bridgewater, 2015, Eli Manning, 2016, Blake Bortles, 2017, and Goff, 2017, and then finally rookie rookie Lamar Jackson in parts of 2018. Um, 
And he basically says you can argue the pros and cons of some of these players, but there are more occasions where you can get by with a mid-grade QB for a year or more when the draft quality helps out. Um, and he sort of says for the best draft classes, it's hard to say because of the way the QB position is valued. For instance, the best run on drafts that we saw was 2011 to 2013 with the Broncos, but that number is inflated by Osweiler's value, who didn't really contribute to that team at all. So when he got sold on, um, the same goes with Jaguars in 2014 to 2016 with Blake Bortles. That leaves the 2015 Rams as potentially the best of the bunch with their draft from 2012 to 2014. The Rams were the team that did the least with some great drafts in that period and were sunk by guys like Sean Hill, Austin Davis, Nick Foles, um, all the QB position. So it's just kind of interesting when I sort of went through that. And it was more from the perspective of it just showed up just how important Ben Roethlisberger is to the Pittsburgh Steelers and, and our performance. So moving into some of those players I was talking about, um, let's look at the offensive tackle um, that I'm looking at, you know, for this, you know, for this week's show. And that is Liam Eikenberg, um, Liam Eikenberg and, and that Brian Anthony Davis and I talked about him on touchdown under this week. He's out of Notre Dame. He's six foot six, 306 pounds, um, arms are 32.375 inches, hands 9.625 inches. If, if you care about those, he was a senior. Um, he's graded as a 6.27 and just as always a refresher. Eight's the perfect prospect. 6.5 is a boom or bust. 7.3 is a perennial all pro. 6.7 to 6.8 is a pro bowl talent. 6.7 to 6.8, um, sorry, 7, 7.1 is purple town. 6.7 to 6.8 is a yuan quality starter. Um, 6.3 to 6.4 is going to be a starter within the first two seasons. 6.1 to 6.2, good backup who might become a starter over time. So let's kick off with Liam Eikenberger. So as I said, NFL.com rates him a 6.27. He was impressive in youth football camps. Ohio State offered him a scholarship before his freshman year at St. Ignatius High School in Cleveland. The high school All-American and top 100 overall recruit nationally decided to sign with Notre Dame instead. Um, But his brother, Tommy, signed with the Buckeyes as a linebacker in 2019. So interesting to note. Um, As a redshirt freshman in 2017, Eichenberg played in five games as a reserve. He started all 26 games for the Irish at left tackle in 2018 and 2019, um, pretending a big senior season. Eichenberg came through starting all 12 games at his left tackle spot to earn second team Associated Press All-American and first team all a triple C accolades or a double C, sorry, accolades. Um, ACC league coaches voted him the winner of the Jacobs blocking trophies, the top lineman in the conference. And he was also an outland trophy finalist. Um, draft production is round two. Um, there are some mocks where you can see him fall to round three, but I really think, you know, he's a top 60 pick. So he probably will be there when the Pittsburgh Steelers draft, but he won't be there when the Pittsburgh Steelers draft at 87, where they're currently slated in round three. The overview of uh, of Liam is a better run blocker than pass protector at this juncture. Lineberg is a three-year starter at left tackle, but might be asked to move to the right side due to average slide quickness and inconsistencies in pass protection. He's well-schooled in a variety of running schemes and attacks his job with an above-average strain and leg drive um, once he has his block centered. His punch lacks, lacks crispness. Accuracy is too easy for defenders to time up. He could see early starting reps at tackle, but could face early difficulties until he learns to cinch up defenders with his grip rather than popping and separating often. Strengths, three-year starter who learned under Quentin Nelson and Ronnie Stanley. That bodes well, particularly when we know that the Steelers can you know, develop our linemen. 
Adequate thickness with a proportional frame allows slanting defenders to declare before he fits and runs into in, and runs him. Strikes with force into first contact. Well schooled working hip to hip on double teams. Works with good strain during sustained phases. A run blocker. Adequate athleticism and body control to get up to the second level. We've said consistently the Steelers got to get to the second level to help that run game. Diverts and turns his block away from the run lane. Displays feel for drop depth in sets, reloads and fires when his punch is discarded, able to slide and recover once pass rush disengages. On the weaknesses, um, could struggle early depth with kick slides versus NFL speed, timing, hand placements and body control all need work in pass sets. His high hands are easily swatted and discarded. Punch can be a bit monotonous and predictable. He needs to eliminate the punch hitch and diversify his attacks on rushes. Reaches looking for two-hand contact rather than sitting back and ripping it. Has a tendency to play too far forward when seeking moving targets. And he's a one-pop hitter allowing rushes secondary opportunities. Um, the director of a scouting for an NFC team said he can get better in some areas, but he plays um, like a short-arm guy. And that can be a concern if he's going to be a tackle. Um, he will start and probably early on. So I have also seen projections where he shifts um, to a guard position. Um, let's look at some what some other people are sort of saying. So draft network, say he's an NFL ready starting left tackle. We know the Pittsburgh Steelers might need that if they're not going to move Banner around. Um, and they sort of suggest he will find assimilating to the pro game fairly easily. They also question his footwork um, and speed rushes and being susceptible to speed rushes. Um, they say the ceiling for Eichenberg as a prospect is tied to the offensive philosophies of his next coach. Um, so interesting to see what Clem can do there and what Canada can do there. He's at best when releasing vertically at the snap in the run game and either double teaming to the second level or stepping down to collapse and create a soft edge. Gap power teams will unleash his power at the point of attack effectively and he'll do well to create creases as guards pull um, or tight ends insert to lead the ball carrier through this gap. In all, Eichenberg is part of a talented crop of 2021 offensive tackles and his ultimate place in the pecking order will come down to actual team preferences. He's more impactful in the run game than his pass protection, but he was rather smooth protecting one of college football's most unpredictable quarterbacks this past season. Um, they say he's a plug-and-play starter. That's the draft network. Pro football network, um, their sort of feedback was pretty interesting as well. They say he's a positives, large, strong college left tackle. He projects to the right side at the next level as well. Brocks with proper lean and displays outstanding vision as well as awareness. He's a terrific position blocker who picks up stunts, blitzes, squares into opponents and seals defenders from the action. Um, he's better than average range off the edge and gets leverage on opponents and looks to hit multiple vent defenders on each down. That's the sort of grit we want. Um, negatives doesn't sink his butt at the line of screaming, struggles handling speed rushes and can be exploited on blitz not light on his feet or effective blocking in motion and lacks quick fluid footwork off the edge analysis overall they say he's an um you know an imposing offensive lineman he gets the most from his ability and plays in intelligent intense football he's productive and durable for Notre Dame and comes with growth potential he's got the tools to develop into a terrific right tackle in the NFL um you know, he was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. Um, we sort of mentioned there earlier where Ohio State offered him that before his, I think it was his final year. Um, you know, he comes as part of a really good class. Um, and he also held up against top prop pass rushers like Quiddy Pay, Aiden Hutchinson, Chris Rumpf. Um, and he didn't allow, and these guys, he did not allow a single sack um, you know, in 2019 with these guys. So as I said, Quiddy Pay, Aiden Hutchinson, Chris Rumpf, Victor DeMujeke and Drake Jackson. Um, that's some significant pedigree. 
in terms of his skill set, um, he looks a little bit like Mitchell Schwartz and Taylor Decker when you look at some of his play, according to um, Pro Football, as I said, Pro Football Network. Um, you know, they do sort of say the challenge for him is that guys like Samuel Cosme are a bit more athletic than he is. Um, and the Colts, the Bucks, and the Pittsburgh Steelers have all been labeled as the teams that, that you know, might stand out for him. And definitely Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh are a veteran teams of veteran quarterbacks that aren't the most mobile. So that could be a bit interesting, you know, in terms of you could probably probably put him at left tackle there. That's Liam Eikenberg. Um, and that wraps up part one of Steelers War Room. Stay tuned for part two. We're going to look at Greg Newsom the second at the cornerback position, who is falling down, particularly if you're on the doing mock drafts through PFF. And we're going to look at Tommy Tremble, the tight end. And I'm going to look at a guy that I've wanted to look at for a while, and that's Jamar Johnson, the safety position there. So stay tuned for more in part two. And we're back on Steel's War Room. I'm Matt Perival, your host of this weekly show. So let's kick off part two, Greg Newsom the second, cornerback position. Greg Newsom could well be gone before the Steelers pick at number 24. But I've noticed a bit of a trend, as I mentioned before the break, where he's falling down, particularly in the PFF mock drafts, but I've noticed he could fall down elsewhere. I listened to the Draft Dudes, the podcast version of the, the Draft Network, their sort of podcast they were recently on cornerbacks. They talked about him testing off the charts. So whilst you've got guys like JC Horn and you've got guys like um, Patrick Satane the second as top picks before Greg Newsom, he had eight out of ten. At, he had an eight out of ten in all their different scouting areas as well. So that's what's really interesting in terms of he's someone that's probably going to be drafted later than those two guys, and is that sort of name? And he comes out of you know Northwestern versus the colleges that that Satane and JC Horn come out of, but. Will he overall become the better cornerback? You know, we often see different positions, you know, they do and, and at different positions and different people aren't always drafted, you know, first their position and they turn out to be better than the guy drafted first. But let's crack into it. Um, he's a, they rate him as a 6.0, 6.4, sorry. So that's a starter within the first two seasons, um, as we mentioned through the grades before. NFL comparison is Darius Slay, grew up in Chicago, um, played at the IMG Academy in Florida as a senior. He intercepted two passes and broke up 15 others, returned home in 2018 to play for the Wildcats and started four of six games played as a true freshman, um, 23 tackles, four pass breakups, but missed time due to injury. He missed the end of the 2019 season due to injury as well, but still led the Wildcats with 11 pass breakups in nine games, eight starts, 36 tackles. He's playing the first six games of the shortened 2020 season, 12 tackles, one interception, team high, 10 pass breakups which earned him third team associated press all american and first team all big 10 status he suffered a groin injury in the big 10 championship game and then decided to sit out the team's bowl game while he turned his attention to the nfl draft um interesting there because chicago you know they got they lost kendall fuller could they be in for him hometown team um as we know chicago picking in that top 20 there um ahead you know ahead of the steelers but as i said he's a guy that's falling and he could well fall I know the Pittsburgh Steelers do not draft cornerbacks well. I feel like Greg Greg Newsom, if he's there, he could break that duck for us. Overview of him, long-limb cornerback with angular frame, disruptive size and strength. He's well-versed in cover three. 
covers quarters coverage and press man. He's equally adept at each of those. He's hard to get a gauge on his overall long speed as most of the throws his way were underneath, but it's worth noting that he's above average with the ball tracking and body positioning to defend the deep throw while the takeaway totals are nothing special. His length, timing and sheer competitiveness make tape study of the contested catches. He's allowed for completions a very short watch. He has the footwork and skill level to cover downfield without getting into receivers prematurely. But for now, those pass interference penalties from press man are a concern. Um, Newsom is a competitive, scheme-diverse outside cornerback with good size, speed, and explosiveness. He has the talent to become a good starter within the first two seasons. Strengths. Good strength, physicality from the press. Nimble feet, smooth backpedal to gain depth. Talented mirror match technique versus early release. Plays under balance platform for easy transitions. Um, has shown the ability to recover with feet, not hands. Allowed 31.6 completion rate and just 7.8 yards per catch in 2020, according to PFF. Well-versed in off-man and cover three schemes to go with press. Locates and maintains position to play the football. Assails receivers' chances on contested catches. Drives forward with intent to punish and jar the catch loose. Takes smart angles to the reception and comes to the balance as a tackler. Very willing as a wrap-up tackle and run support. Weaknesses. He only played 21 games with 18 starts during his college career. Can be tardy to see and respond off coverage. Needs to do a better job of trusting instincts. Lateral transition burst is average in route match. Some tardiness to open hips and runs with the post route. Room for improvement with pattern and set point recognition of a wide route of a wide receiver quarterback. Responsiveness to cross face routes was a bit inconsistent. 15 career penalties, including seven pass interference penalties in his last 14 games. Um, and needs to get off block sooner and could use more tackle strength. Um, According to sources, defensive coordinator for an FC team, he impressed me from what I've seen on tape. He's got great ball instincts to knock it away, but I want to see him take it away more. Um, let's go to the let's go to Pro Football Network in terms of what they they were sort of saying with him. Six one, hundred ninety pounds. Um, you know, current year as a junior. You know, in terms of where he sort of fits. Um, you know, they talk about his athleticism. They say his overall physical profile and tangible ball skills could give him a solid floor and exciting upside to build upon. However, there are some interesting factors to take into account. Um, his frame gives him the length to be disruptive, yet in 190 pounds, he's a bit lean and doesn't have quite the density that some cornerbacks have. Um, but he does come with a physical mindset and inspiring proactivity. Um, he just needs to be able to work out where he can actually impose that physicality on opponents. Um you know, it's going to be interesting to see who can actually, you know, who wants to draft him. Um, he's not going to, he's likely not to be there on day two. Um, you know, the Colts, Bills, 49ers, Cardinals, Broncos, we mentioned Chicago as well, are all sitting there. Um, if he does make it to day two, he's going to go really early. Um, and that's really interesting with him. But I wanted to go over to the draft network because the draft network is where, where I sort of, learn a bit more about Greg Newsom and, and how he's this potentially top cornerback pick. Um, even if he doesn't get drafted first, they sort of said he's an exciting cornerback prospect. He showcased strong ball skills and length to pair with high levels of flexibility and functional athleticism. That's a blend that's going to get him drafted sooner rather than later. He's a young cornerback prospect that, prospect that did miss a golden showcase opportunity against Ohio state in the 2020 big 10 championship game to put an exclamation point in his resume but nonetheless he's a prospect who saved his best football for last he's instinctual and offers suddenness and split decisions in coverage frequently driving to the target and attacking the football in the air he's got the right attitude 
to the to play on the perimeter in collision routes and in run support and tackling at the line of scrimmage. His aggressive angles will need a little work to ensure he secured tackles at the catch point before attempting to attack the football and undercut throws. Durability will be a missing link for those on the outside. Um, Newsom the second is yet to play a full season of college ball. Now he'll need to sell a protein that he can play 16 games or more in a year. If he can, he's a gifted player. They say his ideal role is a starting perimeter cornerback, um, zone-based secondary with cover three principles. There's a fit here with the Pittsburgh Steelers in my mind. So let's move on to Tommy Tremble. And so on to Tommy Tremble. He's a 6.32 um, prospect grade on NFL.com, 6 foot 3, um, weight 241 pounds, arms 31.875 inches, hands 9.25. You know, Tremble was usually playing second fiddle to other tight ends in the South Bend first to 2020 second round pick Cole Komet and then to super freshman Michael Mayer. Um, I think he might be coming out in next year's draft. He's a really interesting player. Um, and he's one to think about actually for Pittsburgh Steelers fans because he's someone that we might want to go after. Um, NFL scouts noted his receiving in 2019, you know, and blocking skills over the past two seasons for the Irish. He played with the Notre Dame scout team in 2018, one year after suffering a dislocated ankle as a senior at Wesleyan High School College in Georgia. His father, Greg, was an all-SEC safety at Georgia who played for the Cowboys and Eagles in the NFL. Comparison in the NFL is Drew Sample. Overview, highly intriguing early entry tight end who appears to be scratching the services, uh, surface of his future impact. He's not the same level of player, but Tremble's blocking toughness and athletic profile are reminiscent of Kellen Winslow Jr.'s when he entered the league. His gritty, capable blocker at the point of attack and will really move the needle as a leader move blocker in space. However, he lacks development as a route runner and his hands... His hands that failed to inspire confidence as a pass catcher. His versatility as a run blocker will allow offensive coordinators to shift around formations and create favorable matchups in the pass game. If he's able to simply improve his hand status to average, his speed and athleticism should create chunk play opportunities. He's got day two value with day one upside. He's someone that when I got him in a mock draft, KT Smith or Cliff Harris, still a punk, the rights on behindstillcurtain.com, monster shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, he said, oh, love that you got Tommy Tremble. And I think Jeffrey Benedict thought the same thing too, but definitely know it was KT Smith that was favorable of this guy. He's probably a round three to four guy. Strengths, feisty play demeanor that suits his love of contact. Activated as a blocker from a variety of formations. Uses athletic talent to gain positioning after initial strike. Accelerates and crashes into targets as a lead blocker. Smooth block-to-block transition to open the edge for the outside run. Blocking talent opens up play action opportunities. Athletic ability and speed stand out as a pass catcher. Bursts off the snap and races into the route. Basketball movement for easy route adjustments in traffic. Can separate on second and third level routes. Vast improvement from 2019 with contested catches. Talent and athleticism for some pass action, from some pass protection asks. Just 35 career weaknesses, 35 career catches for 401 yards, gives away short routes with altered initial speed, needs quicker sink and open um, versus short zone, double catches and drops are a concern, had more drops than touchdowns at Notre Dame, still leading, learning to lift up blocker with proper platforms and pad level, needs quiet, efficient hands at the point of attack. I think these are all things that the Pittsburgh Steelers can work with Tommy Tremble on. Sources, you know, an area scout for an AFC team said he's more of an H, big H-back who can burst it up for the running game. He's got throwback vibe. Matt Canada, H-back. I think that's almost all we need to say there. Some fits. Best fits is sort of seen as New England, Buffalo, New Orleans. But equally, Pro Football Network have said it wouldn't be a surprise to see him reacquainted with former Notre Dame teammates Chase Claypool in Pittsburgh or Cole Komet in Chicago. That's interesting. 
We know the Steelers need to do more in their tight end room. We know that Matt Canada likes an H-back. Is this the perfect combination of the two things, even despite having a guy like Jalen Samuels on the roster? Moving over to the draft network side of things, they have him slightly taller, I think. They're at 6'4". I think I said he was 6'3 before from the NFL.com. They say Tommy Tremble presents as an F tight end in the NFL, a flex weapon that will be best served in an offense that doesn't charge him with playing with his hand in the dirt. He's a plus athlete who offers the long speed and agility to be a dynamic pass catcher, but we know he needs to catch the ball. But his production to this point is yet to make the leap that you'd want to be feel confident that he's going to develop into an upper-level tight end at some point. He spent his career at Notre Dame, caught behind the likes of Cole Komet and Michael May, which we mentioned before. He's the TE2 who's charged with moving around the set or blocking on the perimeter to set up screens and screens to the outside. His potential is significant and his effort as a role player has been admirable, so you'd feel fairly good that Tremble has the right makeup to stick as a developmental player while working himself into a more prominent role as he continues to mature. Scheme fit, high motion, high volume, perimeter concepts, high play-action play passing ratio. That's probably what does concern me a little bit is the play we know Ben doesn't really like to throw that and turn his back to the defense. But equally, you've got a guy like Eric Ebron. Ebron can do the catching. Tremble can do the blocking. We can be, make him a better blocker. I mean, look at the way Juju blocks. And I know he did block. Um, you know, He wasn't the worst blocker in college as well. But I just think there's an opportunity here with Tommy Tremble. Um, you bring him in if you can get him in the third or early in the fourth, even if you've got to move up in the fourth. I think he will be gone by the end of the third, but I think he's projected roughly um, in amongst most draft boards at around that 96 to 110 sort of pick position. I, I just think he offers something there. You know, Jesse James, a lot of people forget that he came in as a blocker. Brian Anthony Davis pointed that out to me on, on Steelers Touchdown Under this previous week, and it was a good point to remind ourselves with, is Tommy Tremble the next guy that we can do this with? Interesting thought for the Pittsburgh Steelers come that those middle rounds. And finally, the player I wanted to cover off was at the safety position. I know that there's some Steelers fans saying, we don't need a safety. We've got Mika Fitzpatrick, Terrell Edmonds. The interesting guy is Jamar Johnson. Six, 6.27 rating on NFL.com. He's out of Indiana, six foot, um, six feet flat, weight 205 pounds, arms 30.125, hands 9.25. He played 10 games as a reserve on special teams, two tackles, one interception, one pass breakup as a freshman. He started once in 13 appearances in 2019 and was quite productive for the Hoosiers, posting 25 tackles, four and a half for a loss, three sacks, two interceptions, one re-return for a score, and two pass breakups. While senior safety um, Marcelino Ball um, suffered an ACL tear before the 2020 season, Johnson had to step up his game. He did time the team lead with four interceptions, breaking up four other passes and posting 43 tackles, 3.5 for loss and one sack. In eight starts to Garner's second team, all being 10 honors from league coaches, he was ejected in the first quarter versus Michigan for throwing a punch at an opposing player. Obviously, we don't want to see someone doing too much of that and being ejected, but you know, you got to say that he's got a bit of fight and a bit of mongrel in him. NFL comparison is John Johnson III, who we know has gone over to the Cleveland Browns um, this offseason. Overview is an ascending defensive back offering coverage and positional versatility for today's brand of NFL football. Johnson offers higher field fluidity to cover the slot and showed off impressive instincts and ball skills to excite teams about potential as a high safety. His combination of vision, field awareness, and instincts usually have him in the right place at the right time. Johnson is a willing as a tackler, but needs to clean up technique and approach to bolster his run support for the next level. His high football IQ should aid his transition to pro football as a future starter with strong upside. His strengths massively outweighs weaknesses according to his nfl.com draft profile 
position and scheme versatility, starting experience at cornerback and safety, maintains eye balance throughout the route, plays with good reads and positioning from the post, instinctive range, firing off the hash over the top, smooth transitions to route match from an off man, above average ball skills, possesses hands and body control to take it away, intercepted Ohio State corner quarterback Justin Fields twice in 2020, diligent getting head around to find the football, Field intelligence to line up defense on back end. Very good feel for the space for the short zone. Rarely out of position. Weaknesses. Top end speed could be a bit average. Delay and down for trigger coming out of his pedal. Run pursuit might need more patience as a safety. Tackling needs to improve. Inconsistent to break down and center up. His wrap-up tackle strength is very average. Um, one NFL team told NFL.com he has a chance to be what everyone wants to have on their roster, a true nickel safety hybrid. Again, does that sound like someone the Pittsburgh Steelers might want to bring in? Um, best fits. You know, in terms of the NFL, Pro Football Network have said he probably fits the Raiders, the Cowboys, Miami Dolphins, and Minnesota Vikings. But they've also said there's a large number of teams that could look to add versatile playmakers to the secondary. I agree. I think it was Jeffrey Benedict that mentioned this week in our BTSC Slack channel that, you know, they could move Edmonds around a little bit, um, not more to that linebacker position, but what else could they do with him in the secondary and do they bring in a safety? Equally, we're picking up the, the we're likely to pick up the two fifth year options for both our safeties. Jamar Johnson allows us to get younger at the position. The other thing that I think that's really interesting about Jamar Johnson is where he's going to get drafted. You know, he's someone that I think, I think you'll look back and you'll go, oh, he should have been drafted in the second round, but he could well be there come the fourth round. And that's the really interesting piece in terms of where where he's going to fall. He was an athlete as well in, in you know, at high, in high school, 110-meter hurdles, long jump and triple jump in the 4 by 100 meter relay. You know, that gives you an idea of sort of the athleticism that he's got at the position. Um I, I just, I wonder where he's going to go and could we pick him up? I wouldn't be upset, you know, if we found him in the third round of the, of the NFL draft. I wouldn't be upset as long as we address the O-line and the running back position in the first two rounds. Finishing up with the draft network, they said he projects favorably as a potential NFL starter in defenses. They say his ideal role is a hybrid safety split zone. Heavy coverages is where he's going to have a good scheme fit. He's got a lot of upside in coverage and man assignments, but his half field responsibilities in zone allow him to process releases and simultaneously position himself well to drive and trigger on the run if needed. His development into a prominent prospect has been one that required good fortune and steady development. He transformed from a special teamer as a freshman and eventually took over a starting role in 2020 within the Hoosiers defense. He's got a proven nose for the football and at six foot one, 197 pounds, he's got the kind of physicality you're looking for in a D gap presence in the nickel. He's generated strong ball production and made most of his opportunities generate turnovers. You know, he accounted for six interceptions over his final 21 games of the program between 2019 and 2020. He does need to add a bit of polish to his game, particularly in the tackle that we talked about earlier, but he's got the physical profile and knows for impact plays to feel optimistic about being an NFL starter into the future. Jamar Johnson, I for me, I couldn't be upset if the Steelers drafted him, particularly if you could get him in the fourth round. But we'll just see in nine days' time whether any of these players are on the Steelers' radar or whether we can pick any of them up. That's this week's Steelers War Room. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumpacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.